listening to you're listening to you are listening you're listening to you're listening to active fm to active fm to active fm to active fm welcome to active fm okay and uh, yeah i think we have around 24000 uh, people listening every week so it's great to have you on yeah and um and very excited to have you on here because the topics we're going to be talking about today is topics that I'm overly interested in so uh was very happy when I saw you know what you're involved in and uh and what you're about and very keen to actually chat to you on this so very excited about this conversation so thank you for coming on okay so thank you for having me i appreciate it uh so i um so i am the ceo of texas blockchain center LLC and uh, it is a master series company so uh, some of the uh, sub series under it are uh, paper score and teammate me and dac one so these are some tech companies and uh, i am involved in all three of them uh, so uh, particularly paper score uh, mm-hmm. is a high tech company that is going to be a blockchain application or a dapp uh with uh, nfts and um dac1 is a blockchain company that is actually just a smart contract uh, that's going to be uh, some particular kind of erc20 token mm-hmm. and uh yeah so that's about it Okay, well shall we shall we start with that one because um I do a fair a fair amount of crypto myself also do a little bit of blockchain coding and so on. So that uh so I was quite interested in that one. So are you are you it seems to be like like journals or those sort of things that you can put up but then it becomes NFTs. Uh so paper score you mean? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, so uh yeah, so uh, the current publication industry research publication industry is is based on a very old paradigm of just having a centralized publication and an editor or an editorial board that decides what to publish what not to publish and then authors or researchers submit the manuscripts to the editors and the editors decide who is going to review the manuscript if anybody and um after getting the reviews they decide to publish it or not so yeah. and the decision is um almost always binary so your manuscript is either published or not mm. so there's nothing in between and so so you know the quality of your manuscript is just <laughs> zero and one and uh, this is ridiculous you know and this has been going on for Uh, more than a century so this is this is the uh, current paradigm and the dominant uh, system in the uh, research publication industry so we want to change it we simply want to change it and uh, along with many other things so one thing that we change is that of course this binary system is obsolete and it is just for it it would be applicable for very old publication industry that was just publishing very few papers and the papers were very simple so it was just right or wrong some 
something like that. But uh, now the papers are very complex and there are various validity issues and various aspects of the paper that should be considered at the same time. So uh, we consider four continuous dimensions for each paper and uh, we essentially have the program. Uh, so uh, what, what happens is that uh, we uh, automatically assign the paper to some reviewers and we collect their ratings and their feedbacks on the paper and we give each paper based on the feedbacks of the reviewers, uh, we give each paper or each manuscript uh, four scores, four scores that can be continuous, so they're real numbers. And so, uh, so that's one change. Another change is that uh, we are removing the editorial board or the role of editor in uh, the publication of research. And um, uh, so we are trying to decentralize the publication process. Mm-hmm. And this means that um, we are not, so we are less susceptible to human errors and human bias. So, you know, currently what happens is that editors mm, can just dictate what's going to be published in the journal and what is not going to be published. And um, so if they are biased in any way, of course, their bias influences their decisions and the the whole journal will be biased. And uh, usually some paradigms become dominant because the editors... Uh, so in some particular journals, so in a family of journals, the editors uh, are um, believe in s- similar, um, you know, theories or, uh, you know, systems. And then uh, when, uh, when they want to choose a new editor, what they do is that they choose, uh, they select someone who has already published in one of those journals. So, or has published many papers actually in those journals. So someone who is aligned with their uh, thinking process, with their paradigms, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so it is like a circular mechanism, you know? So the new editors will be just among people who have already published in that journal. So, yeah. and it's like, you know, like a kind of oligarchy, that you know preserves itself, and it is like uh, it is like a theocratic oligarchy, you know. So because you, it's like you have some religious group ruling uh, an entity, yeah. and so the, even if the the people change, uh, you know the the idea, the ideology doesn't change. So this religion can be a research method, a particular research method, or, you know, um, believing in some theories, you know? So, and this, uh, the main effect of it is actually uh, slowing down the progression of science and um, making hard uh, for any groundbreaking theory to to be noticed um, uh, soon enough, you know. So let's say, for example, um, when some actual religious people were ruling uh, in in Europe, 
if uh, so when darwin uh, came up with the idea of you know evolution so so it, there was a lot of resistance you know mm. and uh, so there are some similar theories that are dominant and are uh, are not challenged um, as much uh, nowadays too so uh, so and that is mostly because of this circular editorial system you know so um, essentially you can publish so um, essentially if your paper is in the mainstream mm-hmm. and aligns with the interests and ideas of the editors you have a much higher chance to get published but if for example your paper is interdisciplinary you have much lower chance you know so if your paper is let's say in the intersection of finance and uh, let's say information technology so like something about blockchain so mm-hmm. th- there is no good journal there is no high level top tier journal that publishes those papers and you will have hard time publishing it in finance journals or publishing it in uh, is journals you know so and and this slows down the progression of science so because most of the innovations most of the novel ideas are interdisciplinary are multidisciplinary and they are not given a good chance to you know they're not they they don't have a fair chance to uh, to uh, you know to compete with the papers that are in mainstream a very good point and and i guess wiki was a perfect example of this hey wikipedia where um you know originally it was encyclopedia britannica and in yes. fact, when wikipedia came out uh, i mean i remember reading about the story and in the biggest thing encyclopedia encyclopedia britannica would say was well they don't have experts putting their notes together and what they found after a few years is the non-experts putting wikipedia together and because you had the public editing it and so on it was a lot more up to date than what the encyclopedia britannica could offer so yes. i guess it's a similar concept yeah yes exactly yeah. and, and uh, so now wikipedia yeah. is giving a chance to giving voice to many more people so you mm. know many more people can uh, express their opinions so and i think wikipedia is much uh, more accurate uh, reflection of information in the society mm. rather than britannica so absolutely absolutely i mean we nobody goes to encyclopedia britannica anymore you go to wikipedia to look something up yeah exactly yeah So so that was interesting you're going to be basing the system um I think I sort of saw on a on a data basis so so actually giving people the vote and that's the researchers that you're actually going to get to kind of rate each of the papers that come in uh yes so the the papers are rated I reviewed and rated by a random a pseudo random set of reviewers but and uh, the reviewers are aggregated and uh, using a formula and each paper would be given some aggregated uh, ratings and uh, anonymous reviews uh, so um, preferably anonymous reviews but uh, of course some reviewers may decide to reveal their identities it's up to them uh, but 
uh, what happens is that after the paper is published, so first of all, the publication decision will be up to the authors. So we don't have editors. So we do not uh, decide, okay, which paper is published, which paper is not. We leave it to the authors and we tell the author, uh, the authors that, okay, so these are the ratings and reviews for your paper. So what do you want to do? Do you want to publish it? Do you want to uh, revise it? Do you want to withdraw it? It's up to you. So if the ratings and reviews are very bad, so it's probably not good for the authors. It's not going to help their reputation. It's going to hurt their reputation. So they probably would not want to publish uh, that paper in that stage. So or in that condition, so they may want to revise it and publish the revised version. And, um, and after, if, if they decide to publish the paper, if they decide to publish their paper uh, with the reviews and ratings attached to it, uh, then uh, it can uh, become an NFT. Mm-hmm. And so the NFT, of course, is unique for the paper. And it, uh, so it, it has actually, it, it brings a lot of values to the, to the research, to the research studies. Because, you know, nowadays, so now we see that the most, mostly NFTs are applied to arts, you know. So art is unique. So I, we have a painting, we have, you know, an animation or something. And uh, the, uh, NFT is created just for each unique art. But uh, research studies are also unique. And they are actually very similar to art. So they're creative you know, uh, uh, production, creative outcomes of humans. And, um, and it would be fair that we let the creators of these artifacts um, benefit from their creations, you know? So, and it is, uh, it is particularly important because uh, when citations happen to the researchers, so the citations can be towards the NFTs, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, so it is clear that you make this contribution and your contribution stays there forever, you know? Got you. Got you. You, you know, what's fascinating me is, you know, yes, originally NFTs were pictures of, you know, bored apes or um, punks or whatever the case might be. And I think what, what a lot of, you know, what we might have missed sort of towards the end of last year and going into this year was actually it's that NFTs give you ownership of something. Yeah. And it's that ownership that's unique. You know, eventually we, you know, our home our home title deeds or, you know, the title deeds to your car actually could end up being an NFT. And this is just another case where, you know, something came out of the blockchain technology, which is probably going to change how we do things going forward. Because the one thing the blockchain gives us is it's it's definite, it's there, and it and it can't be changed. Yeah, so I, I think this is a new form of actually gone with this concept. Yeah. So uh, I think NFT is actually a new form of uh, intellectual property, or yeah. it, it is a, a kind of intellectual property that uh, enforces itself to some extent. You know, so it comes with a degree of enforcement or a degree mm-hmm. of self-enforcement so 
of course, by self-enforcement, I mean enforcement by uh, the blockchain or, or, or by the smart contract. So, and uh, in this, so in this particular situation for research studies, it can be actually very helpful, uh, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. as far as I know, nobody has done it before. So, paper score is the first one. And oh, fantastic, yeah, fantastic. And and of course, it guarantees that what you're looking at mm-hmm. is the is the original, and it hasn't been tampered with. Yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Great, man. Now, now one of the other ones was teammate me. So yes, that also that's... looks quite interesting. Uh, yeah. So uh, teammate me, uh, I, I came up with the idea of teammate me when uh, I was teaching at UT. So mm-hmm. uh, I was teaching about 260 students in uh, four sections. And I, uh, so as far as I remember, we had a team project and um and uh, for the team project uh, so the students should group into teams and i just asked the students to form teams among each other mm-hmm. and um so the students so just tried to find uh, their friends try to make teammates with their friends and uh, just students who so just sitting near them but there was no systematic way to find teammates and i see that okay so the students they they don't have any systematic way to find teammates especially when there is a large pool of you know potential teammates and um i searched for an app that could help with this and i didn't find any app and i thought oh that would be great if we had an app for finding teammates and forming teams uh, because there are many apps that help for uh, project management. So when you already have a team, you can manage your teams, you can manage your project with many apps that are out there like, you know, Asana, Trello, Microsoft Teams, et cetera, et cetera. But there is no app to form a team. And especially there is no app that lets you rate your teammates. So, you know, give your teammates ratings because uh, so not all teammates are created equally, you know. So some teammates are very good team players. Some teammates are not as good. So yes. and uh, when so in a course, when you have teammates, so you get some idea about who is good, who is not. And there is some information. OK, mm-hmm. but when you go to the next semester, you see new people. And uh, there are new students, there are new classmates, and all that information is lost. So, mm. uh, so, so it would be great if you could somehow ask the previous teammates of the students that, okay, so h- how was this person? You know, yeah. so uh, I, but there is no way. So uh, everybody is just like, a, you know, clean slate. So, and... And so this last information, uh, we thought that, okay, this information can be actually useful. So we can store this information somewhere. We can uh, let the uh, teams, uh, team members rate each other and leave reviews for each other. And uh, this actually can help uh, students after graduation to find 
better jobs to show that okay they are mm. good team players so they have these reviews uh, about them uh, in uh, for the team uh, the team projects that they have been uh, they have uh, been working in and um, so and also in actually in real life when you go so after graduation when you when you want to find a job or when you want to work somewhere for most jobs you need a team so if you are an entrepreneur yeah. you need to build a team you know you want to build a company if you want to make a movie you need a team you need mm-hmm. you know directors actors you know you know you want uh, videographers etc etc if you want to build a house you need a team if you want to to do anything almost anything you need a team and uh, and this uh, so this uh, I, i think uh, uh, is very important to uh, be able to find good teammates and to know the past performance of potential teammates you know so some information about them and how they were in their previous teams something like that exactly and and how long has teammate me been going uh we started it in 2019 so yeah. in um late 2019 and uh, yeah so we changed the design a few times and we added several features to it and we made a lot of changes to it so it has evolved since then so but uh, the original idea was this you know okay great great so so interesting time to to start something because covid hit us just shortly after that and i would imagine something like this actually becomes more needed now yes uh, yeah i agree definitely yeah. and especially you know nowadays many things are done online so yeah. the uh, location is not as important as before so uh, uh, in the past if you wanted for example to form a team to play volleyball so you probably it, it would be better to find uh, your teammates uh, around you in in the same city or in the same area so that you can play volleyball together yeah. but if you want to find teammates for a video game it doesn't need they they don't need to be in the same city or in the same area so your teammates can be from different countries and you play as a team online so mm-hmm. um so you can so you can find teammates from all over the world so essentially uh, okay. it's, uh, you have a global pool of you know potential teammates and how can you find good teammates so you have a lot of opportunity you have mm-hmm. more opportunities because you can have teammates from anywhere in the world but how can you find them uh, so there is no systematic way except with teammate me yeah okay great great now the the other interesting bit is the data science side of it so i see you quite involved in data science Um, and it seems to be especially with distributed governance with collective intelligence fintech and then blockchain technology uh what 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 side are you doing there or, or what's what's involved on that side of it so okay so that's actually a good point so uh, 
uh, since I have been in academia and I have a PhD, I, uh, so I'm a kind of data scientist and I am always interested how we can use data to make better decisions. And my uh, philosophy is that we should try to be uh, as positive as possible as opposed to normative with mm-hmm. respect to you know our observations and respect to our decisions for example with teammate me uh, uh, we had a design an original design and we evaluated the user's feedback and how the users interacted with the uh, website with the homepage especially and based on the user's feedback and based on user, the user's interactions we changed the design and then uh, what we did is uh, is that what we implemented um, eight or 16 different designs 16 i, I think 16 wow. different designs and we are running all the designs at the same time and we are collecting data uh, from the users. So we see the, how the users interact with different versions of the website. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, we are actually trying to find the best design based on the user's interactions. So essentially, our boss is the users. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, the user actually tells us what the design should be. So uh, oh. essentially our chief designer would be the users or the user's data. And so we should try to read the user's minds using the data and based and use that data to optimize our designs. And so this is just one aspect of using the data to improve uh, the business improve the company or improve the website so we can just uh, you know improve the design test so you know you, you, they call it a b testing and split testing yeah. uh, and uh, so we can use that to uh, a b test uh, different designs of the home page different designs of the uh, sign up page etc etc uh, but also of course you know that in marketing we collect data and we use data to do better advertisements, to design better campaigns, to target better audiences, etc., etc. So, these are uh, ways that uh, data is used already in many companies. Yeah. But we went a step further, and what uh, we are doing is that uh, we are actually we are actually very flexible because teams can be applied, can be used in many different, for many different audiences. And uh, team building has applications in many areas, you know. So, um, you know, musicians can build teams. Students may want to build teams. Um, Professors may want to build teams, you know, they want to find co-authors or research partners. Um, Gamers may want to build teams. So, so it has, so essentially the platform has a variety of applications and we don't want to serve all the world for every possible application. We don't need to do that. We want to focus and focus to serve a particular audience that can use the platform the most, that 
and uh, the platform provides the most value to those audience. So what we do is that we are testing uh, the conversion rate and interaction rate of different audiences, different audience groups, and uh, we're trying to compare uh, the performance of the website with different audiences to see actually uh, which audience, which uh, market is more promising. So mm-hmm. we are appealing to which market more. So that's actually, so that, that makes us very flexible and essentially uh, we just, we just need to appeal to students. So there are millions of students in the world. So that would be a large enough market for us. We can just appeal to freelancers. We can just focus on gamers, you know, on the, on movie makers, you know. So we, we, we collect data and then we decide which market is the best fit for the platform or actually uh, uh, in which market we are most needed, you know. So that is actually one way that we can use data. Okay, excellent. And, and just out of interest, what, what have you found so far with Team Make Me? Where, where have you found that it's actually worked the best um, in the last few years? You, you, want, uh, you want information? So, ah, just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. So, found it sort of, just generic, nothing, nothing specific, obviously, or, or to give away any competitive sort of information. But, but is it sort of working well in like more arty type industries with students, with gamers? What, what so, have you found so we have had a lot of success with the students, especially for extracurricular activities and finding a study mates, not for course projects a lot, mm. but for finding a study mates or finding uh, roommates, you know, so, the, wow. so it's, it, so this is what they have used the platform for. And, uh, but uh, we, we are just exploring, we are trying different markets, different audiences, and uh, we are not sure yet what market is the most promising one. So we are going to try and uh, eventually we are going to find a very, very good promising market, I'm sure. Absolutely. But, but for the time being, students out there should be hopping on there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Eh? Facebook started with the students. <laughs> uh, yes, you're right. Look at them now. They just they took over the world. Hey? Great, man. So, so how have you, because uh, it, it seems that you've actually worked, you've been, um, you've worked at universities and, and now you've sort of gone into to your own business from, from what I can sort of pick up here. And, and how have you found it in business compared to, to sort of working, you know, being a lecturer and so on at universities? Uh, so hmm, that's an interesting question. So, uh, in universities, you have some, uh, safe job and specific responsibilities. And, um, so it's kind of easier, I think, hmm. uh, because it is straightforward, but in business, especially as, uh, an entrepreneur, uh, you cannot predict many things. You know, there are many unknown unknowns. Essentially, there are many things that you don't know and you don't know that you don't know. So yeah. 
uh, and when you start playing the game, so you gradually learn the rules of the game. And um, it is exciting, uh, but um, it could be stressful in the beginning when you don't have a lot of uh, experience. And there are many things that are not in the books mm. and you will learn in practice. And um, uh, I have read a lot of books on business. I have studied many books on business um, and on uh, managing people, on running companies, um, on strategic planning, etc., etc. But but when I actually did it, I learned a lot of more things, and it's uh, so. Um, so I, I know that experience matters. Absolutely, absolutely, and and if nothing else, if you you know, if you do end up back in lecturing for any reason, you know, not not that that would happen, but you've actually got a much better stories to tell now, hey? <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of teaching it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, if if I go back to university and teach again, I think I can do a, a great job teaching anything about you know project management or. Um, IT project management, especially. So, uh, so I have a lot to offer beyond the books, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, my my last question is going to be for any of the budding sort of entrepreneurs out there. What what's your advice to them? Uh, what was the question? Can you? If any of the the young entrepreneurs out there that are just about to start their adventure in in their own business? What, what's your advice to them? My advice. Okay, so my first advice is that uh, the most expensive way to learn is uh, try and error. And the cheapest way to learn is reading. So read books, read and um, many people who have tried these things have, re- have written their experiences, have documented their experiences. So you don't need to uh, try and experience them again. So try to learn from them. And uh, then after that, of course, you still need to experience some more uh, things yourself. Okay, very good. Very good. That's very good advice. I think uh, what's it? Somebody who learns from somebody else's mistakes is a genius. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, Daniel, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, this, this has been very informative and I've really enjoyed it. And we, we're going to be putting your links up uh, as, we, as we send the podcast out. But I'm definitely going to be going to your, uh, to your websites. I think the Paper Score One and the Teammate Me are both, uh, both fascinating me. But that paper score one, because it's NFTs and I love blockchains and, you know, crypto and those sort of things, I'm definitely going to be looking at that one. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your time and have a great day. Thank you. You too. Cheers. Like what you're listening to? Follow Active FM on all social media platforms. On Facebook, forward slash Active FM online radio. 
on Instagram at ActiveFM777, on YouTube, ActiveFM, and on Twitter at ActiveFM. Active FM. Active FM.